Hello and welcome. My name is Robert. And I'm Foster. And this is the Also See Podcast, where we take an actor or a director from an upcoming release and talk about one of their older movies that may not be as well known. This week, we're basing our topic on The Beekeeper from <laughs> auteur David Ayer, starring Jason Statham. You've seen Snatch, the Transporter movies, and Statham's appearances in the Fast and Furious movies, and I'm sure you've heard lots and lots of people talk about them in real life and on podcasts just like this one. But on top of those, Statham starred in the Crank duology, and that's what we're here to talk about. But of course, we wouldn't rather talk about the illustrious Crank duology on our own. We needed to bring in an expert, uh, the hype man for the Crank movies, Luke Burian. Hello, nice to be here. Thank you for coming on. Before we jump into our thoughts on the Crank movies, let me give the synopsis real quick. Professional assassin John Crank learns learns his rival has injected him with a poison that will kill him if his heart rate drops. That's for the first movie. And yes, I'm going to refer to him as John Crank the whole movie because (laughs) (laughs) that seems most fitting. Luke, when we decided to do these movies, we saw that you had at least the first one at five stars on Letterboxd. Um, Mm -hmm. And the second one, I think you had four. Yes. Why why do you love these movies? (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Let's get one thing straight. Okay. I was I only seen it once about okay. 15 years ago. I was <laughs> young, dumb, and full of, uh, let's say, adrenaline. <laughs> so <laughs> they were just my jam, those movies. And I, that was when I started my kind of like cinephile journey. And sure. I'm so honored, by the way, for you guys to have me on, you know, with my range of like foreign movies on all these classics <laughs> and, uh, you know, to, to discuss these two great and, and, you know, undeniably great cinematic masterpieces as Crank and Crank 2 High Voltage. I believe it's it was Martin Scorsese who said, this is cinema because it's kinematic. It just moves all the time. Mm. You know, this is where it comes from. Uh, I've rewatched them right actually just before we start, you know, start to shoot this. And uh-huh. yes, I've lowered my rating a bit, but it's just, I still had a blast with those movies. It's one of those, I strongly believe, you need to rate every movie based on its own thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you get into vibe of those movies where it's just crazy and insane and everything goes and occasionally slightly racist, you know, you'll have a you'll have a blast. <laughs> Misogynistic. Like, it goes without saying. It's it was 2006. Yes, it goes without saying. Like it was a different mm-hmm. time, man. Like it was we were all different. But yeah, it was <laughs> I don't know what else to say, really. <laughs> As an introduction, you know, we can we can discuss uh, we can discuss more details, but yeah, sure. What did you What did you guys think? Well, neither of us had seen it, right, Foster? You hadn't seen them? No, no, I had never seen them before. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let this high continue. So I'm gonna let you go first and say your thoughts. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I I did like these movies. Um, so I I like I think the first one I liked more than the second one by a little bit just because I felt like it was a little more creative with the mm-hmm. like way it uses the premise um, mm-hmm. and I don't know I I just think um, the filmmaking is just I think I saw a letterbox review that it's just like a like the monster energy drink like in a movie you know like that's kind of yeah. the aesthetic um, yeah. I I have like a real soft spot for like the two thousands like crazy energy. hyperactive. Yeah, do, do you know the um, 
Do you know the commercial that's the, you wouldn't steal a car, you wouldn't steal a handbag? Like that whole energy is is kind of my vibe. <laughs> and so Except I for really you would steal a car and a handbag if you're John Crank. Well, yes. I I personally I do steal cars. It's a problem <laughs> um, that I have. And until I saw that commercial, you know, it was a big problem for me. And then I changed mm. my ways. But then I watched Crank and Crank High Voltage, and now I'm back baby and i am stealing cars i'm stealing handbags and i'm stealing dvds um so i don't know what that was i'm so sorry but uh i thought uh i actually really think jason statham is kind of great in these movies and i think he commits in a way i know i'm i'm preempting your criticism robert yeah i i i think he commits to the insanity in a way that not a lot of other action stars of today would do and i think the things that he does on screen are so unbelievably insane and i think he brings a level of intensity to it that is really really needed for the premise which by the way the premise is basically he just needs to keep his adrenaline up and Mm so the way like every five minutes he does some other absolutely insane thing like when he goes into the hospital and gets the um the defibrillator or whatever on his chest glenn howerton yeah um it's just like they keep coming up with these absolutely insane uh ways to keep keep the action going and they're just fun and they're just insane and they are gross and they are kind of offensive and they're really over the top and they're like mean-spirited but um it's Mm -hmm. it kind of is what it is um, it's like, I'm never going to like criticize anyone who doesn't like these movies or mm-hmm. say that you're wrong for being upset by them, but it is kind of the thing that it's going for. And I feel like with a right. certain crowd and audience, I feel like these would be really fun to watch in a theater, um, and just like laugh at and like the energy I feel like would be so insane, but I don't know. I had a fun time with them. Well, scrolling mm-hmm. through the most popular letterbox reviews, they're all like, four or five stars people you know the people who are into it are into it Mm -hmm. so here's my thing i'm not going to come in here and tear into these movies like i initially thought that i was going to because i think that they're better in concept and in hindsight that for me than they are like while i'm watching them um Mm. so i really like the idea of you know speed except for instead of keeping the bus going it's just keeping your adrenaline levels at a certain uh place um Mm -hmm. Like, that's fun. That's a cool premise. Um, and in the second one with Jane's dad from Breaking Bad, I don't remember the actor's name. Like, it has that framing device of the news story. So it kind of gets yeah. at the idea of, you know, voyeurism and how the audience's uh, perspective influences what we're watching and, and what we're into. Um, but at the same time, I don't enjoy watching the grossness. I don't enjoy Jason Statham whatsoever. Um, I don't see him being as any different in this movie than in these movies than he is in any of his other movies that I've seen. Um, he's just always the angry, swearing British guy, and he doesn't have anything unique about his physicality, doesn't have anything unique about his characteristics other than being the angry, swearing British guy, and that kind of rubs me the wrong way. Just him being the uh, the protagonist and it be- feeling so mean-spirited um, I get that it's the point, and that's why I don't want to completely tear into them and say that they're terrible, because I think they're successful at like kind of implicating you in watching and being entertained by something so, you know, offensive and so bad to just inherently bad, just all the racism, all the misogyny, all the extreme violence, all that kind of stuff. Um, the first one I did kind of enjoy on a certain level, like the the editing is a lot of fun. 
I think it gets too intense when like the the screen is swiping during phone calls and all that. That's that's too much for me. But like during the action, it's a lot of fun seeing the the editing and the and the uh, action choreography. Um, and I enjoyed seeing Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite in here, which he's. Uh, <laughs> I'd only ever seen him in the most wholesome movie of all time, which is Napoleon Dynamite. And these might be the least wholesome movies of all time, um, or some of them at least. Uh, so that that's a fun little thing. But yeah, like I said, better in concept than in execution for me. But mm-hmm. kind of like you said, Foster, I'm not going to fault the people who get on its wavelength because it's wavelength. I see where it's coming from. But here's the thing, right? If you think about it, that's I feel like it's almost continuation from the '90s as a trope of you know he's too too stubborn to die. But in this place, in yeah. this instance, in those two instances, he's not only too stubborn to die, die. He's too British to die, and he's too coked <laughs> up, and he's too like riled up, and he's too sexualized, and he's too all over the place to die. He just refuses to die. And I think you know with these those two directors. They even said, you know, big inspiration for both of these movies were the GTA series, the video games. And if you think, oh, you yeah. know, if you think about it, especially in the second one, as you mentioned, the like the newscaster, you know, straight away tells you this is kind of bullshit that it, this is even happening. <laughs> like the right. movie starts, the second yeah, yeah. The, the movie starts with him surviving this, you know, where he gets pushed off the plane <laughs> and he just falls <laughs> falls down. And then they scrape him off and resurrect him. What? So even the newscasters, you know, in the beginning of sequel, they they tell you, or the the guy tells you, yeah, we kind of know this is bullshit, but, you know, keep, keep, you know, let's stick with us. Let's see how crazy this bullshit will get. And it gets crazy. I have a, this is kind of an unhinged comparison I'm going to make. I'm going to zero in on the Jason Statham performance. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to make a comparison to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. With wow. Paul Paul Newman because I watched uh, some of the Ethan Hawke documentary about about Paul mm-hmm. Newman and Joanne Woodward and the like talking heads in it were were referencing like what was so great about Paul Newman. Not that I'm saying Jason Statham is Paul Newman. <laughs> exactly what <laughs> he's saying. Like just own up to it. It's fine. But here, yeah. thank you. <laughs> but hear me out. What they they were showing the end of Butch Cassidy where he, they're like like near death almost in terms of their level of exasperation. And they were talking about like how great the performance is, not that it's like a some huge like chameleon transformation, but you have to realize like the camera turns on and they just have to get to that headspace of being like near death level of of intensity. Mm -hmm. And I I was like, oh, my gosh, like just the way they were the actors were talking about Paul Newman in that scene, it kind of unlocked something for me, a different sort of appreciation for actors. Like in the past, I was like really into, ooh, is this person transforming in some way? Or is this mm-hmm. person like really different than what I see in interviews? But ever since th- then, I've had a great respect for actors who, sure, they do the same thing every time in movies, but they're able to just like turn on the intensity really, mm-hmm. really quickly whenever it's required of them. And so to me, Jason Statham in this movie, yeah, he's like a very similar character in every movie he's in for the most part. Um, but I feel like his physicality I find pretty impressive like as an action star and so I do feel like he brings something to this movie that like another action star might not and I don't know I just I just find his intense like when he's like walking slow motion with the suit towards the end of the first crank I'm I'm into it or like like when he's like doing the parkour type stuff you know and jumping around like 
like he's like sweating like the veins are popping out in his forehead you know what i mean like you see the bloopers mm-hmm. at the end of crank 2 and the guy's kind of silly right he's mm-hmm. not really like that in in real life he's putting on a show it is a performance i don't know i just i i'm gonna i'm coming to the defense of 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 jason statham a little bit look i'm right there with you like i'm right there with you if you know how he started he like when he say he he's a you know he's a silly he's not like that he kind of is because he was start he started he was discovered by Guy Ritchie on a corner mm-hmm. as a hustler so he doesn't mm. you know there's this intensity where he Wait, doesn't actually? play it yeah no yeah he wasn't <laughs> I an actor he, I did not know that really <laughs> no. Guy Ritchie was Guy Ritchie was uh, looking for like you know tax to cast in a lockstock uh, you know lockstock and two smoking barrels right right and he yeah. stumbles upon like I I believe it was in London in the, like one of the street corners and he was trying to like almost hustle him Jason Statham because he's not a trained actor he was just a dude so there's the Paul Newman comparison the hustler exactly yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, but he's so I feel like the, he does have that kind of intensity where you can tell this guy has not grown up in a cushy family. He had to hustle, you know, and he had to work most of his life. He's trained, you know, he was almost Olympic diver. He was in an Olympic team for England back in like 94, I believe. So he's, an, you know, he's uh, athletic, but he has that intensity where you, you understand that if he wasn't an actor, he might have gone that route and ended up in one of them gangs. And so, like, I don't think he needs to act, but also, yes, like, if you read the trivia for M- on IMDb, like, the body double for Amy Smart in the first gang, she said, like, he was the loveliest, he made her feel so, like, comfortable during the shoot, so she she was gutted she couldn't return for the sequel because she was pregnant at the time, so she was like, yeah, you cannot have pregnant body double. <laughs> So yeah, no, like Statham, I will defend him because he is the last generation of these action heroes we will never ever get. Like, you know, what Arnold and, you know, Stallone were in the 80s and 90s. He is the only one who successfully managed to kind of have that same career, even though not to those levels. And we will never see those levels ever again. So he is the last, I would call, proper action movie stars. Where, as you pointed out, Robert, yes majority of the movies he is the bold you know bad british dude right yes that is true but you know arnold was the muscly austrian you know austrian dude in most of his movies stone was the rocky like dude or rambo like dude in majority of his movies too so there's an argument to be made that you need those kind of stars no so i was thinking of them and i'm thinking of like the rock and Mm -hmm. ryan reynolds who kind of Mm -hmm. just do the same thing in every movie um Mm -hmm. you know ryan reynolds you can make the argument that he's funny (laughs) yes um he's obviously really popular he's in everything doing the same thing uh Mm -hmm. so he has that comedy he has that charisma the rock Mm -hmm. you know he's the wholesome character who people want to see jason statham and like there's something to be said about like the rock and schwarzenegger and stallone with their bodybuilding not yes. to say Statham is uh, out of shape because he's very fit. He's you know he's built. Yeah, he's big and toned, but he's not like I'm. I'm going to be scared for my life if even if I just like shake the hand of Schwarzenegger or or mm-hmm. The Rock. But Statham is just like you said. He comes across like he's a street hustler from London, mm-hmm. um, and so that's why I don't think he's acting too much. And it it doesn't take a lot to just turn on being angry. I don't want to take away from the craft of acting mm-hmm. um, genuinely. So like, I, I understand that 
you do have to get to a place. But still, if it's the same place every time for 25 years, I have a hard time, you know, finding that when there's not something more unique, like the charisma of Ryan Reynolds or the otherworldly physicality of these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just like, kind of my Statham thing. He, I enough. don't, I don't get it. No, that's, and it's, again, that's fair because I feel like, again, like me growing up in the nineties and, or yeah, kind of, yeah, nineties and like mm-hmm. growing up uh, watching the eighties, nineties movies and these action stars, like I'm, I'm, I guess I'm more prone to those, like, you know, I'm, or more forgiving where yeah. I would say Statham is a better actor than possibly Arnold, maybe like on a, on a good day. But there's and something also... endearing to me or to me about Arnold and his just kind mm-hmm. of almost inability to act. Like, it's kind of why I like, uh, uh, not inability to act, but his like stiffness and his mm-hmm. Arnoldness. Yep. It's kind of why. Accent. I, right. And the accent is why I like Vin Diesel in the, in the uh, Fast and Furious movies, because he thinks that he's doing Shakespeare when it's just like oh, yes. the stupidest <laughs> movies of all time. Jason Statham, he just kind of is playing it straight and not going over the top. Yeah. I think for me, what what sets Jason Statham apart from someone like The Rock, for example, is I think The Rock was the best when he was doing stuff like Fast Five and he was actually playing a character, right? And then in the past Mm -hmm. five years, he's just been the same thing over and over again. I haven't seen that. I need to see that. I'm sure Mm -hmm. I'd love it. But like now he's just... Like every movie, Rock is just like in the jungle, pretty much, is what yes. he's doing. Um, I think I can't imagine The Rock taking on the role in Crank, right? Because it would like tarnish his image too much. And mm-hmm. I think the fact that Jason, Jason Statham is even willing to take a role like this, to me, makes me like him more. Because mm-hmm. genuinely, like all the stuff he's caught on camera doing and saying in this movie is incredible blackmail material. He's doing <laughs> yes. like, like what actor in their right mind would ever sign on to this role? I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's like... I, I just can't picture I, Ryan Reynolds wouldn't be caught dead doing crank Deadpool pushes the boundaries, but it's like in a safe way, you know, yeah. in a way that like teens yeah. can still watch crank is genuinely boundary pushing in a mm-hmm. way that is like not, <laughs> not trying at all to be like, you know, presentable or fr- family friendly in the slightest. Um, mm-hmm. Not that that alone is necessarily worthy of praise, but I think, um, I don't know. I just think he's genuinely willing to like make fun of his own star persona more so than other 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 action stars of his generation. Like to me, what makes Arnold like I think Arnold is like the greatest action star of all time. I'm a huge fan of Arnold Mm -hmm. um, is the fact that he's does Terminator and all that stuff. But he also does kindergarten cop, you know, Mm -hmm. like he he's not like precious about his own persona. And I think Jason Statham has a bit of that, too with some of the roles he's willing to take on like this or like spy. I'm a big fan of because he's like just completely making fun of himself. The he's whole movie. great in that movie. He's great. That's one Foster you mentioned to me recently. I still haven't seen, and I probably will watch it soon. Um, I think I'm it's not going to, I'm not going to push so back funny. on any of the points you just made because that's kind of what I do respect about the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, these two movies is that they push the boundaries unapologetically. Um, and that's, yeah, I've made that point already. So like I, I think that's fair. Maybe we should move on from Statham and just say, are there any like particular scenes that stand out from, from the movies? I'll just say, I'll give one then and say I, my, the one that got the biggest laugh out of me in the first movie. Um, it's uh, he, 
he like gets Amy Smart sidetracked and then he goes and like takes out a guy and then runs back to Amy Smart in the yeah. apartment. And then there's mm-hmm. one where he like shoots the gun and it goes through the window and hits the bird. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and I just like lost it at that moment. So I, I thought that was like a pretty fun like cleverly constructed action scene that was like, I've never seen anything quite like that where he's like running and to come back before mm-hmm. she sees that he was gone, you know? It kind of reminded me of those like early, like 1920 movies, like, you know, yeah. where you have to do something extraordinary. So like, you know, you need to leave the scene and then he, you know, deal with that and come back quickly. So the other person doesn't know in a weird mm-hmm. way, like, you know, he, it's almost like Chaplin, like, which is again, that's very out there. Like, but I, I kind of, yeah. Like, I don't know if I have a bad, like, a scene, because here's the thing with Crank, even in Crank 2, every time you see a scene and you have a laugh, or you're like, what? What is this? There is something even crazier behind the corner. Some, you know, sometimes even in the next couple of seconds. So I would like to, I would like to point out, you know, these movies and the gamer done by the same duo are known for them, like, you know, the hyper-focused editing, like, just the, the, it's all over the place, the editing, truly. But yeah. you can tell, especially in a, in a Krang movies, Jason Statham did all of his stunts. So you can tell the editing is a choice where it's not shooting around him. Therefore, even if it's very edited, I never got lost or I never got that kind of like MCU fatigue where it's like, okay, what's happening here, where we are? And it's weird because like, in, you know, this is one of the most edited movies I've ever seen. Like, there might be, like, uh, edit every half a second on average. But I never got dizzy. I never got lost in a scene. And I thought, this is a, you know... And again, you can tell it's not shooting around him. It's shooting with him. And this is a choice. Right. And they understand, you know, they are dynamic. They are, you know, it is kinetic. It moves. And it like and that editing is almost part of the narrative. Right. I completely agree with all that. The editing is intentionally done the way that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that when things like someone getting their elbow cut off, like oh. <laughs> yeah. that's something I've never seen in a movie. And that's gnarly. And I have to admit, that's pretty cool. Like you see hands and arms getting cut off, but specifically the bent elbow that was to respond to your prompt foster. That's pretty awesome. Um, and I also wanted the other, like the one moment that really stuck out to me was uh, in the second one, when the woman says that Jason Statham looks familiar, uh, she's like, "Who? Do, you look like someone. You look like the guy from those train spotting movies. And I thought that was very funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's just, again, even like, I, I like how they even defeat or like, they, like subvert your expectations, where you mm-hmm. have the bus of, <laughs> full of, for some reason, Chinese people watching Amy, Amy Smart and Jason Statham going at it. And then you start to cheer. <laughs> And it's just like, right. what? And then they have the interview where she, she's like, oh, he was a, ma- a Magnum-like level. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, what? Or the like, old lady in a sequel when he's rubbing all against you know against her because he needs that static right, energy. Right. And then she's weirdly into it, describing it in, in that interview after, and she's being very dirty about it. And I'm like, see, <laughs> like in any other movie, this wouldn't have happened, but this is a crank, and crank to high voltage. So... Of course, it happens in those two movies. (laughs) Right. And it's very consistent with its idea, right? Like Mm -hmm. people are into things that they shouldn't be into. And that's uh, it it stays with that. It's almost like you made a comment about like how it's commentary on its own. Like, you know, GTA, I'm making I'm going to make another comparison. Have you guys seen funny games, either the remake or the original? Yeah. Yes, I haven't. No. 
in a, in that way okay i'm not i don't want to then say okay there's a part of just, it without it, spoiling it no without spoiling it for you because it's kind of pivotal scene there's okay. something where they where one of the characters in both original and the remake they address the audience and then okay. you kind of discover the purpose of why you're watching this torture that happens in those two movies and it's almost puts the blame on you as audience that you keep on watching it and i that's how i felt you know watching these uh, re-watching these crank movies it's like we like this violence we like this you know over the top uh like nudity all like drugs everything even though we know in the real life it's bad but this is the safe environment that's why the gta comparison works and it's you can tell they've been inspired by those games because it's something that's forbidden something you would not be able to do unless well Unlike uh, unless you're like Foster who steals cars and you know for a living, <laughs> but that's another thing. Uh, you don't do that. On you know you don't do drugs. You don't run around like you know uh, rubbing yourself against people. If you do, please stop. Just don't do that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so like it almost makes you live this quote unquote fantasy in a safe environment as with video games. And I feel like there's a, there's a space and place for this kind of art. Which is, it's not going to be for everybody, but it's there. So what you're saying is that it's Scorsese-esque, where he's implicating the viewer in Killers of the Flower Moon. So Crank and Crank 2 High Voltage uh, have Charlie Chaplin influences, Paul Newman influences, and Martin Scorsese influences. So yeah. Can't get any I think we that. just successfully eliminated everybody who you know from this, ever listening <laughs> to this podcast. So I guess good luck bringing me on, sabotaging your, your guys' work. <laughs> Um, w- one other thing I just want to say about the, um, you were talking about just like the hyperactive editing and stuff. I think that um, the like kind of crazy presentation of the movie um, sort of leads you to think that the movie itself is poorly made, but I would argue that the cinematography is actually very creative and well mm-hmm. done for the purposes of the movie. Like, especially in the first movie, like the first 20 minutes, the camera is like tilting and running yeah. around with Jason Statham in a really interesting way. And I think um, I think it's one of those things where like you watch it in 2006 and you're probably like, oh, this is kind of trash. But then you watch it in mm-hmm. 2023 and you compare it to like all the other action movies that have the same like boring digital glossy sheen over it. And everything looks exactly the same. Like it's made in like the Netflix factory. Mm-hmm. I feel like this kind of thing really stands out as having like an actual style and an actual vision that they're going for as ridiculous as it is just from a stylistic point of view. Also, there's so many moments where I was like, oh, my gosh, that was just cool and i've never seen that done in a movie before right towards the end of the first crank when he's in the elevator he's standing opposite the the businessman in the elevator yeah the subtitles appear on the screen and then it cuts back to jason statham and the subtitles are still hanging in midair but they're reversed because we're now it's as if the subtitles are like in universe rather than if he reads them as if he reads them because he's speaking in in japanese or something the guy and it, it seems like he actually reads the subtitles within the movie I thought that was so cool and like mm-hmm. genuinely not even as like a joke thing. I'm like, I've never seen that done before, really. I mean, like it's it's, it's just, sorry, but I think the movie is a little bit ahead of its time. <laughs> I feel like some of the the stylistic choices in this movie influenced movies to come for like 10 plus years in that like mid 2000s range. I feel like this was kind of a a little bit of a trailblazing movie um, in that way. I 100% agree with you that there's a perp- uh, you know style on purpose and we are so desensitized to this digital environment everything's green screen everything's digital because it's much easier much safer to shoot everything 
that this raw kind of like style where everything is dirty in, the, in both of these movies everybody is dirty sweaty and everything else seems to be actually real life used dirty broken so it's kind of that almost a punk met, heavy metal thing where i think like now we are tr- desperately missing and it's the other thing like you know as we mentioned before it's politically incorrect some of the scenes not all of them but some of them are now politically incorrect and yeah. i feel like we definitely need something like that bag where we need the art pushing boundaries again like because it seems everything is so safe where something comes along that's something you know seems to be you know just peeking behind or like just spiking our interest and suddenly like oh this is a great movie i don't know why but it's great well it's great because again it doesn't feel neutered it doesn't feel doesn't feel like every single movie made in the last five years where the same cgi with the same oh this was made in a in front of a blue screen and pine woods you know it's right. this has a feel but because it's real it's actually shot on locations it's actually with the real people doing real stuff and it's just gritty one thing i'll say just kind of comparing the first movie and the second movie and kind of going off what you're saying for me, the like kind of over the top stuff really worked in the first movie. I think why I like the first one better than the second one is I think it worked a little bit less for me in the second one, just because mm-hmm. there were some moments where it was just like over the top for its mm-hmm. own sake, but the scene wasn't necessarily that clever. Like when they're doing yeah. the, they're like publicly, you know, uh, showing their affection for one another in the <laughs> horse racing scene. To me, I was just like, okay, it's like I this to and me. And then I the feel horse like jumps just... over them. <laughs> So like for me, that's an example of a scene where I'm like, I feel like I'm being manipulated to be shocked rather than mm-hmm. like actually being shocked. But then at the same time, there's some really crazy scenes like when they have the guy's head in the like yes. little I, fish tank thing. Like that was, I, kinda I was like just that. like, I know I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like, this is so ridiculous and insane. And I am actually shocked and kind of enjoying it. But like for me, the second movie towed the line a little bit more. Whereas the first one, I was just like, I was kind of, in it for the whole thing um and as yeah. foster mentions see robert how it influenced you know media like 10 15 years from now the head isn't it just modok from uh, Ant, you know ant-man <laughs> and you know and on wolf's quantumania you know now this year 2023 this is so so ahead this movie honestly trailblazer <laughs> there were never floating heads before that never no every movie Nothing is just capacity. trying to uh, every movie is just trying to be crank high voltage, crank to high voltage in some way or another. You've heard in fact, of, that's why Scorsese holds up a mirror to us in Killers of the Flower Moon, because he watched Crank before they yes. started filming. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, have you seen Silence? That's Crank. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but silent. <laughs> I think that's a good place to stop. Let's move on to our grid. Mm-hmm. Um, Foster, what do we have? What are, what are our topics here okay the column headers uh at the top are one word titles ignoring the released from 1990 to 2010 and released from 2011 to 2023 and then the row headers on the side forrest whitaker hugh grant and angelina jolie all right and we're back foster seems very happy with himself i am not very happy with myself um, let's quick give our scores. I got 2169, which is only top 28.5% of players because I picked very popular guesses and I missed one. Uh, Foster, what'd you get? 
I got 26.55, and I was in the top 0.5% of players today. Oh, my goodness. Today. Whoa. I think this might be the best I've ever done on the show. Oh. On the show, for sure. I don't nice. think either of us have been in the decimal. Um, I My score is 22.44. I'm a top 20.9% of players. So I guess that's all right. Like, yeah, I missed one. So, of course. <laughs> You're looking through the options now. <laughs> and I'm looking at the popular answers. And I'm like, I haven't seen... I've missed the one for Forrest Whitaker. And I've, I'm looking at the top answer. I'm like, duh. Okay. But I haven't well, seen the movie. Let's, let's go actually... through these. Because yeah. Forrest Whitaker, one word titles, it says The Butler. Isn't mm-hmm. that title Lee Daniels, The Butler? Like, like isn't that how it was referred to? I think it's one of those, like, you have on IMDb, you have, like, original title released okay. as... So it's, like, one of those, like, here, it's, like, the Marvel's Avengers... Like, or Avengers Assemble, but it's also just the Avengers. You know, it's one of... Yeah. I think it's one of those. Mm. All right. Well, so, what did you guys put for that one? Is that the one that you missed, Luke? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It, out of nowhere, I just remember that he was in Southpaw for 7.5%. That's what I, that's nice. what I did, too. I didn't okay. see Southpaw. I didn't even know... Oh, good. I saw it it's once not a bad, while. I think. It's pretty good. I, mean, I Jake, like it. Jake Gyllenhaal is like the reason to watch it because mm-hmm. he commits a thousand percent to everything. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of guys who are always intense, geez. Um, I was going to say, you know, no, I love Jake Jason Statham. Um, <laughs> Forrest Whitaker, 1990 to 2010. This is the one that I missed because I was like, I know I recently saw a movie, somewhat recently saw a movie with young Forrest Whitaker. Then I remember mm-hmm. that it was Good Morning Vietnam. And it oh. turns out that was 1987. Yes. So <laughs> I missed it. Uh, I put The Crying Game. Nice. Percentage? That's a good movie. Uh, 5.8. Nice. I This is where I should have swapped. And I, I should have put the, this one as a one word title, title because I remembered Species. He's in a Species mm. 0.6. Oh. Ooh. And Species, surprisingly great A, a plus cast. Not a great, not a. First one is a decent movie, but the cast is excellent. Uh, the only person who I know is in it is Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> because you just <laughs> said it. You just learned. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. You definitely know, wait, there's uh, like two or three Oscar winners or nominees. Like he's one ben of them. Kingsley, ben Kingsley, Alfred Kingsley, Michelle Williams. Yeah. Michelle Williams. Oh, Michelle Williams. Michael Madsen. Michael, yep, yep. Like, oh, like the first one is actually worth watching and it's a like surprisingly great cast. I'm just going to say that. All right. 2011 to 2023. I this was besides Hugh Grant, this was a terrible like mm-hmm. grid for me knowing the depths of someone's filmography. So I just put like I'll I'll tip my hand. I put all of the most popular answers for the Jolie row or yeah the <laughs> Jolie row. Um, Forrest Whitaker here. I put Rogue One, fifty one point four. Same. Uh, I put Taken three. See, that's the one Taken movie I never saw. I I did, but I. For God, he was there, to be honest. Um, I saw that when I was pretty young, and I think... So, I am I mean, it was 2014, and so I was, like, 14 or 15, and I think that was the first time I learned who Forrest Whitaker was. Not the first time I saw him, <laughs> but that was, like, the first time I was like, this guy's kind of, like, interesting for this movie that's not very good. Mm-hmm. Hugh Grant, uh, I messed up and put another good one-word title for the 2011 to 2023, so for one word, I just went with Wonka, because... That's and that oh. was sixty three point two percent, which is <laughs> awful. Uh, I put Maurice. 
Have you seen that movie? I have not. It's like, it's like a Merchant and Ivory uh, production. Percentage? 8.2. Yeah. Nice. I put there Congratulations, Foster. You did well on this one. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, Luke, that's and the I, one I, I put later, The Gentleman. Yeah, 24.5. Oh, that's not as good as I was expecting percentage-wise. Hmm. But I know I could have put other 2011 to 2023 movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Gentleman is actually a Guy Ritchie mob movie that I kind of enjoy. It's pretty fun. I don't like it's his early movies, movie. but this one is is good. Um, I would say I would say it's an excellent movie. I'll have to rewatch it because I think it might have been the first Guy Ritchie movie that I saw. No, I saw mm-hmm. the Sherlock Holmes movies. This is uh, like the first Guy Ritchie Guy Ritchie movie that I that I'd seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just kind of a bit shocked by it. But like looking back, I definitely enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, Hugh Grant, 1990 to 2010. I put Four Weddings and a Funeral for 9.6. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was my this is my crowning achievement here because this was the one I was telling you that I was between 2010 and 2011. It was like on the cusp. And I put, yeah. did you hear about the Morgans? Which oh, I just made it in because it's 2009. It's with him and Sarah Jessica oh. Parker. It's not a great movie, but um, 0.5%. That was my lowest one on this grid. Nice. Yeah, that's a terrible movie. I did actually see that one. <laughs> uh, I put About the Boy, 7.3. Okay. Yes. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one one of my favorite movies. <laughs> oh, nice. I don't really like the lead actress in that movie, but everything else about you it is really can good. can <laughs> get off this podcast. <laughs> Picked out. No, Tony Collette's great. Um, 2011 to 2023 is where I put The Gentleman for 7.3. I put Operation Fortune. What was that? Because I was thinking of that. 4.5. Yeah, okay. Nice. I've put Glass Onion 15.5 because he's in that, like, you know, five seconds. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You know, that's implied he's, you know, he's implied that the Benoit Blanc is a a gay man. You know, he opens Mm -hmm. the door. He's like, honey. Somebody here to see you. Yeah. Um, I realized looking back that last week, Foster, when we were going through our Hugh Grant quotes about Wonka, um, that I wanted to point out that he said playing an Oompa Loompa was like wearing a crown of thorns, which is just mm-hmm. an incredible quote comparing himself to Jesus for, <laughs> for playing an Oompa Loompa for and the making sacrifice. millions of dollars. Um, yeah, the sacrifice is just. Mm-hmm. We have to thank Hugh Grant and celebrate him in the Christmas season. Yeah, in the Easter season. Like I said, Angelina Jolie, I put all the most popular guesses. So one word title, I put salt. I was, I couldn't remember when that came out. So it wouldn't have worked for 2011. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of putting salt for that. It came out in 2010. So that's mm-hmm. 29.1%. Uh, I put Gia, which had 7.5%. Oh, good pick. See, and also salt. I need I need to get better at my depths of people's filmographies because you just put me to shame every week. It feels like so you you didn't know this when you when you suggested this topic, but I I'm a little bit of like an encyclopedia with with like movie names and years and things like that, and I get like really obsessive about like going through scrolling through Letterbox and IMDb, and I've been like that since I was very young. So I feel like well, I thought I was too. Apparently, it just doesn't (laughs) internalize unless I've seen the movies. This is why um, Foster and I are spirit animals because I'm the same. Uh-huh. <laughs> My spirit animal is Luke Burian, <laughs> however you say your last name. <laughs> right. Close Luke enough. B. That's good. 
and then for 1990 to 2010, well, that's where I oh, that's you, where you put I put salt st- also. Yes. Okay. Okay. Go ahead, Foster. So I put I put, I put salt for 1990 okay. to 2010, which uh, was came out in 2010, which I remember because yeah. I saw it in theaters <laughs> and was like really into that movie, I guess for whatever reason. And uh, <laughs> 2.2 percent. Okay, I put Mr. and Mrs. Smith for 34.2. <laughs> And I've put Hackers for 4.7. Hackers? One of her first movies. It's not a great... It, well, it's a kind of... It's a cheesy, great movie, if you want to laugh. And, uh, you know, at a movie from 1994 or 5. And how they used to hack. You know, and it's one of those most right. egregious examples of, like, hacking in a movie. <laughs> that people who made movie that don't know anything about IT or hacking. But they made a movie mm. about it. Great. 1995, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for 2011 to 2023, I just went with Eternals. 28.4%. Oh. Okay. I went with By the Sea, which is one she directed with her and Brad Pitt. How many? Were still married at that point? Uh, yeah. 6.3. Yeah, they were. Uh, I put Maleficent because I struggled. I was like, Angie didn't really, you know, act that much. So, yeah, and I remembered like by the sea. Yeah, and like she was more like directing. So I remember like by the sea, but I, I forgot that she was actually in it. I remembered, oh yeah, she directed it, but I was like, oh yes, of course she was also in it. It's one I've used a few times on these grids because it's like Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie. So like it comes up a surprising amount. Hmm. Good to know. And it's like 2015, so it's also good to remember. So I'm going to add, I'm, I'm going to get more committed to this. I'm just going to spend my time scrolling through actors and directors, IMDb's, and just like memorizing the years uh, because I got to get better at this. Though so I felt like I was winning a decent amount at the, at the beginning. I'm going to go, I'm actually going to go back and see and tally what we've done. Um, but I got to get better. This was fun, guys. Um, I'm sorry. Listener, <laughs> listener, thank you for listening. I had a fun time. Uh, Luke, you have a letterbox, right? Where can people follow you? Yes, it's on In Movies Lost, or I have a blog, lostinmovies.co.uk, where I write reviews twice a week. Nice. Um, and you can follow Foster and I at FOSTH101 and Robert's Thoughts, uh, respectively. And if you're enjoying the show, please let us know. Like, rate, subscribe, do whatever you do for podcasts, share, tell your friends, uh, listen more, listen again. But yeah, we'll see you next time for a mega episode with our buddy Nash. And we're going to do a look back at the 2023 movies. Um, and we're going to not talk about franchises and the big name directors and sequels and stuff like that. But we're going to talk about some movies that if we were doing this podcast in 10 years, movies that might actually uh, count for this very podcast. So we're going to be giving out some awards. We haven't decided what those are yet, but we're going to give them out and, and it should be a fun episode. Um, but until then, get cranked. <laughs> <laughs>